This is episode 5 of Artbeat Conversations, and I felt it was time for me to give a little introduction, let y'all know what is going on with Artbeat Conversations. What exactly is this podcast that you're listening to? Um, It's an idea that I came up with because um, I'm in love with the human aspect of art. I love the people behind art. Um, Many of my friends are artists and musicians and collaborators and I myself am a singer and a DJ and an artist and a creative nerd. So I just thought it would be fun to um, have a project where I could sit down and hear the stories, the process, the human levels, um, what makes the artist make the art, what motivates them, where do they come from, what struggles have they gone through. And so um, this is their stories. Um, They're um, mainly indigenous or activist based artists and um, I do that because I feel like there's a lot of misrepresentation and underrepresentation in our current society. I feel like there's a romanticizing that happens with indigenous peoples and with indigenous art and I feel like the activist as an artist is sometimes seen as a threat. So I wanted to allow a forum that opened up a dialogue with the human behind the art. And um, I hope you enjoy it. This is my fifth episode interview with Werewolf Micah Wesley, who is an incredible friend of mine, one of the most talented painters that I know, and that's just my personal opinion. Um, but I, I really had a good time talking to him, and every time I have a conversation, I learn so much more. And I'm learning a lot about podcasting, too, so I enjoy you um, taking patience with this process. Um, this is just the beginning. I hope that it goes further and further, and I get to reach further and further out into the world to interview artists that are doing incredible things and moving indigenous art further and activating the world with their art through whatever means um yeah so i just wanted to take a moment of the time to to reach out and let you know who i am what i'm all about um these interviews have been all different everybody's story is different everybody's um desire to tell a truth is different. Um, Everybody's world is different. Everybody's work is different. So although I try to maintain a continuity in my question asking, I'm also experimenting with my um, podcasting, with the way I edit it, with the music use, with the more conversational aspect. And I invite you to comment and let me know how you feel, what you like more about the style of interviewing that I'm evoking. Um, I'm going to start gearing towards more of a conversational dialogue and less edited. Um, And if that's something you enjoy, let me know. Tune in. Also, please visit our website, artbeatconversations.com where you can subscribe on iTunes, you can read articles about music I may have selected, about installation or works of specific artists. I try to write really heartfelt and truthful bios, and it's just a place for you to look at 
the actual art and engage with the podcast. You can stream it from the site, but I really do recommend subscribing at iTunes. The more people that subscribe, the more reach I will get, the more out into the world these stories will become, the more stories will be shared, and the more art will be heard. I hope you enjoy this process. It's a mixtape of the artist. It's highlighting ideas and stories that make up the art and give insight into the motivations behind the artists and their work. So here we go. Um, episode number five of Artbeat Conversations features the werewolf Micah Wesley, and it was a good one. So um, tune in, enjoy, and we will see you on the other side. Art Beat Conversations. Okay, according to my blurry webcam that I'm broadcasting off of, my name is Micah Wesley. My avatar is DJ Werewolf, and uh, I'm a painter. I do 2D work, and that's about it. And, okay, I'm like, (laughs) that's weird to say that out loud. Okay, uh, sorry, I'm like a bad interviewee. Oh, no, that's cool. Where did you, where, where, where were you born? Where do you come from? Okay. Um, oh, I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico to uh, my mom and dad, Tiller <laughs> Wesley and my mom, Pam Wesley. Uh, my father was an artist. My mother was uh, a musician, uh, a vocalist, actually. And then we left there, went to Texas, and then I stayed in the tri-state area. <laughs> and then, uh, um, can we do this over again? <laughs> we can do whatever you want. You can tell me all that again. Tell me what um, what tribe tribal affiliation you are to, if you don't mind, and like that kind of stuff. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Um, my tribal affiliation is... I am Creek and I am Kiowa. The Creek are an Eastern Woodland uh, band of Native Americans. <laughs> and then uh, Kiowas are a Southern Plains uh, tribe. And I'm also Irish. Sweet. When did you first um, start doing art? Was it because your dad was an artist or did you get into it on your own? Who was your first mentor kind of thing? The first time I saw artwork was from from seeing my dad, his paintings and what he was doing. And then the next, my next influence was um, I saw a lot of like gang graffiti and stuff like that. And then I liked uh, heavy metal album covers. So that's where I saw like paintings, actually like paintings that I thought were actually like real paintings to me were from heavy metal covers. Cool. And so, so was music always kind of a big influential part of your life as well? Did you start collecting music about when you started realizing painting was going to be in your life? 
I didn't quite know painting was going to be in my life. I was drawing all the time on any piece of paper I could find. And anything that was in the back of coloring books and little books, like my sister's books, all that stuff like that. Um, always drawing dinosaurs and Star Wars things. And then uh, my uncle had given me two um, two tapes. One was a Def Leppard tape, and the other one was an Ozzy Osbourne's Diary of a Madman. And I just loved the covers of them. And then the music had always been kind of there, too. And plus, like, my mother was big into music, even though she was, uh, she was like, kind of like, she was classically trained. So I'd always been into that. I've liked music like that, but then my dad was more into the metal, and he was more into, like, rock. And then he liked some, like, disco stuff, too. So it was kind of a nice to be, I guess, well-rounded. The only thing they really didn't listen to was, like, jazz, I guess. <laughs> I found that out later. <laughs> How did your parents meet? They seem so from such different spaces artistically. Like, oh yeah. Um, well, my mom and my mom and dad they uh, grew up in Oklahoma City. Uh, my mom grew up on one side of the city. My dad grew up on the other side of the city, and uh, they had met at a at a church. And he, she was like, I guess, like they had a gym at this church, and she was like, I guess, the attendant at the desk or whatever when they used to do that, and. He only showed up just to play basketball. He didn't really care to go to church or anything. And then when he met her, then he realized he had to start going to church because he wanted to, like, hang out with her and be with her and stuff. So that's when we kind of met up. And he was uh, yeah, he was into basketball. He was into hot rods and stuff like that. And then my mom uh, liked him for his long hair, too, I guess. <laughs> One of those Oklahoma stories. <laughs> <laughs> guys relocated to texas and had you already kind of um been getting into art or were you doing graffiti yourself or you just kind of admired it or what oh no i always i just admired it because the first time i saw it was at west mesa high school i think and it was in the bathrooms and it was all these block letters with squiggly like lines showing the the shading of the letters and that just intrigued me, the, the shading part with his squiggly letters, and it made sense that it, it made him, like, 3D to me. And so um, by that time, I had been – I had started painting a little bit, and then I was about 13 when we moved to Texas, and then my uh, whole world changed because it was, like, a complete opposite of what New Mexico was. Because when I got to Texas, that's when I learned that I was actually – very different from a lot of the people that were around me in Texas. Meaning that, like, I hadn't really been really exposed to, like, racism, race, people segregating themselves or people removing themselves from certain... I guess that was always there, I guess, too, in New Mexico and Albuquerque. There was... There is that, and it still was there, but it had never been um, just... I just never been thrown into it so immediately and just... It was just there. Cool. What was your high school experience like when you went to Texas? You know what? There was maybe only two people, I think, that were actually that claimed to be Native American. And of course, I fell in with a lot of the uh, the Mexican-American crowd. And that's who I. And then, like, 
I found my like uh, my friends and my f- people that I hung out with. And then, but see, in high school, it was um, I kind of knew a lot of people. I wasn't I wouldn't say I was a popular kid or anything, but uh, I knew a lot of different people from different areas of the school, be it cowboy people, country people, the FFA people, the stoners, the the people, you know, the punks, the skateboarders, everybody. We, I kind of knew all those people too, but then, uh, but like I said, everyone kind of stayed to their own race too. It seemed like they're in Texas and high school wasn't really, it really wasn't. Yeah. Cause I know I've heard a lot of people, other people's stories about how it just sucked because they weren't fitting in. And I had a good time in high school. I was always goofing off and probably drank a little bit too much back then too. So <laughs> that was, it was really fun. So I didn't, didn't have much of a bad experience there. <laughs> Elementary school, now that's where I got bullied. <laughs> <laughs> got it out of the way. Small, yeah, I already got that out of my system. <laughs> I left that in New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> so in high school, were you doing any art at that point, or were you just kind of fucking around and having a good time? Or um... At that time, I thought I was a graffiti artist, but I wasn't. I was mainly just tagging my name on everything with the mean streak or something like that. And I hadn't even really done that many pieces. I hadn't even really done any like two tones or anything like that. So I, yeah, I was just a little tagger, little uh, ignorant tagger running around. <laughs> <laughs> so, so after high school happened, um, what what was your next step? Where'd you go from there? Oh man. Uh, after high school, I took off to Colorado for about a year. I went to Fort Lewis College, and I wanted to be a um, a radio DJ at the time. But I failed out of there. But I ended up doing, like, a radio show there for about a year, and it was for about three hours at night from midnight till 3 o'clock. And that's where I first got... Um, that was about 1996. That's where I first got into DJing. And I had always kind of had some records and stuff like that, but now it came all back in. So I started learning to do stuff there on the radio. And that's where I got exposed because it was like a community radio station too. So we had to catch live feeds of NPR that were coming in or all these other, of this American now and stuff like that. So, and they were basically teaching me how to talk on the microphone where I had to get up in there and 97.1, 91.9. I forgot the call letters already. It was like K-F-O-R-R-R-R. <laughs> Skills. I'd, I'd make it make my own uh, echo tape effect. Because <laughs> it was a real low budget radio station. And we just barely, I just barely got into emailing at the time too. So I was still making phone calls and like faxing things to like record labels, like asking if they could send like, like certain records and, because I was into hip hop, but they put me in charge of something called RPM. That's the name of the the genre was RPM. So huh. at the time, they were sending me like Chemical Brothers and like what else? It was just all this like prodigy and stuff, <laughs> music like that. <laughs> Back those I don't know. I can't remember what I was. I just thought of that one of those beats though. And I couldn't say that loud. <laughs> but yeah, I was the RPM director, and then. Uh, yeah, then I failed, and then I never went back to uh, Colorado, came back to Texas, goofed off for about a good 
I don't know, five years. <laughs> and then, uh, and then one day, uh, my rent was up, and oh, this must have been way more. There's a lot I'm living up, but uh, rent was up, and then uh, I decided to go to IAI out in Santa Fe, New Mexico, because I really wasn't doing anything there, and like I said, things were. I was getting out of my apartment, and uh, I needed to do something else. I needed to. And I really wasn't pursuing that much artwork anymore. By then, I was just drawing still, not doing anything. And then I uh, was DJing a lot then in Dallas. But then uh, uh left there and went took off for Santa Fe. And then that's where I met uh, just about everyone that I know today. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of what formed your, your current community of artists and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Going to IA and uh, meeting meeting people that were really into, you know, it's funny. I look back and it's like, I don't know if we were really into what we were doing, but we were just wanting to just do something sometimes, I guess. Mm-hmm. I know there were people that were into what they were doing. I know I was just wanting to sometimes just like goof off or, you know, or do something. But there were a lot of people there that were really, really talented and then uh, started doing different things. And then I kind of, I guess, caught onto that too. So I was very thankful to be, around people like that to gleam off of, I guess. Do you think that that shifted your art, even though you just wanted to do stuff for the hell of it, it shifted your art into a little bit more of a serious realm where you started to kind of tap into like your native side and like address issues that maybe have kind of been around in your life through growing up in Texas and stuff like that. Like, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that that's uh that's one thing I'd always, it seems like, I guess, I don't know if it's, it's not to say it was ashamed of being under the label of being a native artist, but it just kind of wasn't, it didn't have the, it was a lackluster shine other than just a shine to me. So um, going to IA actually, it kind of helped me reconnect with some of that stuff that I had, that had always been there, but then it's like I was able to, uh, it's like, oh, hey, there you are again. You know, like it was, it was cool because other people I'd met there are, were like hardcore into their heritage and culture. They were, um, they were raised like hardcore that way. They were real traditional or they incorporated certain things. And I, I didn't feel that I actually included that kind of stuff in my work. And then, but actually it was there too. It's funny. It seemed like it was always kind of there. And then going to school there, it totally changed me from wanting to do just personal gratification works of art. Like it started changing there. And then to the point to where kind of like where I'm at now, where the work has changed into instead of doing like um, such personal deep work that if people were to criticize it, I would get upset or, you know, or hurt by it hmm. to the point now where I've gotten into getting to work. I think that matters on a whole, I guess. I don't know how to really kind of, I think a lot of people out there know what that means because it was more about now I feel like there's a chance and I feel an obligation to make more statements where I used to kind of be, was it empathetic is the word where I just like, mm-hmm. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care about that. I, there's people out there who do that work. So I don't care. You know, I'll just do what I want.
I wanted to start getting into concepts and I used to never repeat images over again. And then now I'm starting to repeat everything and starting to build a vocabulary of uh, images. But which is funny because uh, I need to update my website because all the stuff I'm working on right now is all words and letters, almost like Helvetica and Arial, kind of like letters. That's what I've gotten into. And um, my current thing I'm working on, because, uh, you know, I was really inspired by Chinupa about stereotypes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I liked that he was attacking them, like he was seeing like this big hole. It's like it was, it was this whole this whole thing. But the one thing I noticed around me was there were a lot of people uh, making stereotypes or saying certain claims that really were real subtle to the point that you almost didn't recognize them or know them. Like mm-hmm. I remember people were telling me, you know, I'm part Indian. I'm part Native. I'm like, okay, that's what everyone says here in Oklahoma. I'm part Native. I have the high cheekbones. Can't you see I have the high cheekbones? And I'm just like, whoa, like what is that? You know, or so <laughs> – it's not really, it doesn't sound bad, but yet it still kind of makes you, you know, irks you a little bit. Or I'll always hear someone say, you know how, uh, you know, because I mean, you guys are so spiritual. You know, you guys are more spiritual. You're more susceptible to being spiritual. And I'm like, yeah, that's not really like that bad what you're saying, but it's also not really cool either. I'm like, because I'm not. I feel like I'm a spiritual person, but I don't think I've ever been like that spiritual the way they were uh, romanticizing or uh, making claims to be. So that's where I started working on this this body of work called um, My Redneck and My Red Skin. And the work is just showing the letter skin, which I'm making red and on blocks of wood. And they are, uh, it's moved around in different spots. And then certain times too, the, the skin is painted with, different objects inside. And then the neck, the redneck side is uh, doing things that I guess people uh, consider about like white people or white trash people, rednecks. People can claim that, you know, they're susceptible to being prone to using meth, you know, or they speak like black people in the South, even though they're white people. So they're white trash or, or people just make generalizations too about, about that too. So the reason why I'm wanting to bring these two things up together is to show um, a comparison, like if if you didn't understand this one about this side, then you understood this one, you could kind of compare and you're like, whoa, I didn't think those were that bad. I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. And I'm not trying to like like save the world or like totally break down certain things. I'm just trying to make people aware and that's it. Just a, just a little bit of awareness and um, that's about that's That's about it. So on that stuff. What was the shift? Was it going back to Oklahoma? And what made you get into that kind of art and talk about being in Oklahoma right now and you're going to school and what's your experience with all that? How come how come this push right now? I mean, is it because everybody is getting super racist again about like <laughs> shit? I I mean, it just feels like there's this resurgence of like romanticizing the native. Um, and how do you feel about that? And in Oklahoma? Well, it seems like, you know, cause I think Oklahoma is okay. You know, <laughs> Oklahoma is okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the thing is about here in Oklahoma, it just, everything just seems really strange and off compared to other places that I've lived, even just going two hours South to Texas. And it's just totally different. And the way 
people react here and there's I guess it's always been here, but I've just never really been fully uh, convicted by it. Like, it's just been something that's, I don't understand either. That's why I feel like it's a horrible place to live, but yet I feel like artistically it's kind of a cool place to live because there's so much to gather from. Mm -hmm. Because where I I live at here in Norman, people um, say this town is extremely diverse. They're like, we have the school here. There's all kinds of people here. There's like all kinds of people from all over the world. I'm like, yeah, if you're going to school, but if you're like anywhere else, it's, you know, you, you stick out. Like if you don't wear an OU shirt and gym shorts, then you, you know, that's the Norman tuxedo. If you're not wearing that, then you stick out or you're just um, looked at, treated funny. It's weird. And it's not, you're not treated bad, I guess, but you're just, it's just a difference. It's just a real different feeling. So that's kind of the reason why I wanted to bring that to what I was doing. And then, I haven't, I guess I had been kind of market-driven based, kind of like I always wanted to make work that I could probably legitimately sell or do something with. And then coming to school here at the graduate program, it gave me time to actually work on concept, work on things that weren't able to sell to like make bigger work, work that I could just completely experiment on and do a complete break from what I was doing and then, like, I I just started abstracting and getting to all kinds of um, using paint and stuff because I was always very, very afraid to step away from doing figurative work or works that you could easily reference something from because I felt like it wasn't showing my technical ability and talent. And so I'd get real nervous and I didn't want people to see that work. Or And now the work I'm working on, I'm, I'm at that point now where it gives me some um, anxiety because... Even, yeah, because I always think of people coming like, whoa, this is what you're doing. This is what you're working on. You're getting your master's degree. And you're just working on this. I'm basically making white paintings with letters, and I'm just keep on wiping them out. It's like I'm whitewashing everything I'm doing. so completely fascinating to me what you're doing right now and like what is going on tell me the is it about the process is it about the experience that you're having um what what are you what are you achieving there like within yourself doing that whitewashing stuff well i stumbled upon the whitewashing because i'd made some work and i just started painting over it again and it wasn't intentionally like, you know, I wish I could say I had planned out this. I was uh, I was also trying to, like, get by with what some of my professors were wanting to. I was like, well, you know, I came up with this one idea where I just whitewashed. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's really good. You kind of, yeah, it says a lot when you whitewash it. I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah. And then I decided just to show a little bit. And then something clicked to me about some words that I had been um, writing. And I thought, hey, let me start putting these letters here. But obscuring them and then obscuring them some more because even in a critique some of the professors were like you know it's like you could have probably done a little bit more on the letters or you could have uh, made them a little bit more so I showed them on uh, on my laptop I showed them my process how I was working all the the before and after and I took like seven shots of the painting while, while it went in process and they were like 
Oh, he goes, those were black letters. Oh, and they were red. Now they're white and now they're yellow and now they're white again. And oh, so there's there's a lot going on. You know, it's something like that. And that was that's what made my first anxiety about doing this kind of work anyway, where people say, hey, look, it's nothing deep about it anymore. It's just but then when I told them about what it meant and uh, I'm thankful enough to have one of my um, uh, committee chairs, he, he he's a uh, he's Navajo. And so I'm thankful for that because he was able to help explain and help me fully resolve this and how I would explain it to the other professors who were specifically going on aesthetic and like wanted to know what concept was and why did you do this and everything. So, and I've, I've done really well. It seems like here so far, it's been, it's been really cool to be in this program, even though it's funny being at OU because it's like the, the sooner, you know, the sooners when they, I think it's kind of ironic, or is that irony? I don't know that I'm I'm a native. I'm going to school here, and this is the school that supports this uh, covered wagon that ran in as soon as statehood happened, and they just came and claimed everything. And these people call themselves Sooners too. They don't mean they go to school here. They mean they were actually generation that came from the land claim, the land rush, and the Sooner. So uh, it's been it's been a funny funny trip here. But I am ready to leave. <laughs> How much longer do you have? I have two more years. Wow, that's a two that's, more years. It's a while more to go. Yeah, it's it's a while, but it is, I I mean, what's cool is like I've I've had my mother. My mother lives here. Oh, cool. So that's been really cool to uh, be able to see her off and on and see my grandparents as they're they're getting older. And then uh, two, me and my lady, we live together. You know, we just fried up some fish tonight. So that was really cool. And so I was kind of tired when I got off work today. And then, you know, it's kind of running around and then get home. And she's like, hey, I made some fish. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I want to go talk to Ginger now. <laughs> now I feel better. I got fish in my stomach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's talk about um, like Jasmine, your lady, and other people in your life. Like who – what what kind of scene are you in? Are you DJing a lot? Are you are you kind of like reliving this like college college life moment that you had at IA, but like on a deeper level? What's going on with you socially right now? No, I feel like a totally older person. I guess you know. Um, I have been DJing more, but it's been uh, some of the things that I I'll promote. Like, there's one night I like to promote. It's called the Throwback. I love doing that one because I play a bunch of old hip-hop stuff or anything old, basically, anything 90s, anything cheesy. I pretty much play it, and I have a lot of fun doing that. And that's that's like a monthly gig, and it's coming up about a year since I've been doing that one. And then I play some other stuff that goes on throughout the week, and it's like that's where I play like the Juicy J and the, the Miley Cyrus songs and all that stuff, <laughs> which is hilarious because like, yeah, four months ago, I'm like, yeah, that 23 song. Yeah, I'm taking it, but. <laughs> and then and then I've been digging other things I've been playing where I just play like down tempo music and then play like electronic music too. And like some like house that's house music that between like what 118 BPM to 122 BPM. I've been really loving that groove and that vibe and that and that BPM. That's what I've been really liking. Do, a lot you, lately. do you listen to music when you work on your art? And what's the what's the crossover with oh. art and music in your life? <laughs> you know, the one thing I listen to is pretty much what I've been doing my work lately. This is it's been this has been different because I used to I used to put on like a tool album, you know, and play a whole tool album. Lately, <laughs> I've been putting on this one uh, 
I think the composer's name is uh, it's Mendelssohn, and it's this one called Piano Trio Opus Number Sixty Six or something like that, and it's this real um, turbulent. I, guess. <laughs> I don't know any other ten dollars words to throw in there, but it's it like goes up and down. It's like a cello, a piano, and a violin, and it's just this. Um, and it's like 15 minutes long and I just put it on loop because uh, that way I don't have to go over and change it or anything like that. Because I've kind of gotten tired of making playlists for when I do work or I'll put on like an iTunes station too that just has no commercials and it'll just keep playing like, you know, whales or like drones or bells in the distance or sounds from space or because either that or I don't uh, play anything at all because I have my the other people that I share studios with, they'll play music and stuff. So I'll just let them play and it's usually like Tori Amos or something like that. I've never, <laughs> never even listened to that, but, um, or he'll play like eighties music and I'm like, Oh yeah. So, <laughs> but as far as I have yeah, music playing music, that's something, um, I've realized now, like if I'm like just sitting by myself at home, I'm playing like instrumentals, you know, stuff like that. That's about it. I'm just playing instrumentals or like, uh, down tempo electric music. That's, that's about it. hip-hop and metal and a lot of rockabilly and that's more just what you play out when you dj now yeah you know that's what's funny too i play, I still play a lot of that but um i play a lot of rockabilly like when i'm in the car and stuff like that still and like some punk and stuff like that but um the thing that's gotten to me now too is about some rockabilly there's only certain rockabilly music now that i like because a lot of it's kind of gotten the same to me now over a while. I mean, I still yeah. love like the cramps and stuff like that. I'll still like, I still like stuff that, or a uh, heavy trash. Um, but a lot of the things that have just come out, even like stuff that are local or in the scene, I haven't, there's some things I haven't really cared for. Although there is some good stuff here in Oklahoma that I've heard and um, I've liked, but it's just, like I said, it's just gotten kind of too repetitive. And sometimes in that scene too, everything's just like, you know, it's too, uh, people are too uh, rude. I guess, and not wanting to cooperate or collaborate or stuff like that. Yeah. So that's, that, it's any scene. It was always interesting to me that, like, um, you were very into, like, a lot of kind of redneck-themed music and um, iconography, and you use that in your work and in your oh, yeah. style a lot. And what where does that come from, and what's your fascination with that? Oh, okay. Um, when I grew up as a kid, I loved watching the Dukes of Hazard, And so I've always loved the stars and bars. And and then now, when we get to the point now, what I've been working on now, I've loved using that still, and I would make it in a different color. And uh, the, where that came from was there was a saying that says, uh, says, American by birth, Southern by the grace of God. So I made this painting of the big stars and bars that I had made. And... I did it in black and white. And then the reason that when I called it, that was, it's about kind of like, it's kind of like I'm appropriating now something from that side. And, and I called it uh, native American by birth, Southern Plains by the grace of God. I just kind of played on that whole little tale of that. And, um, and so that's where, that's where like using like, even like swastikas and Nazi symbols came back into the whole play too of appropriating that. Cause people would, 
tell me too. They're like, wait a minute, wait, you're you're using that, you're wearing that, but what? Wait, it, it didn't make sense to them. So then they had to ask about it, which I thought was really interesting too, to for them to um, ask me why is that or what is that. And then it was funny too, coming from other natives. Other natives were like, well, what's up, man? Well, well, you know, we kind of we used to use that too. I remember that symbol. I remember that, you know, and stuff like that. So it was. <laughs> It brings up a. It's another thing that brings up conversation now with people. You you either have to either you you you're you're forced an opinion either way about it. So I've I've found that really interesting now too, and I that's why I started using it back in my work again. And then as far as like like uh, like country music, I just I've just always loved country music, even like old outlaw music. That's pretty much it. I don't really care much for the new new stuff that comes out, like the Jason Aldean or something like that. It's like, yeah, it's always here at the casino or some of those guys. <laughs> and Toby Keith, yeah, I'm not into stuff like that, you know. But I do like a lot of stuff, though. What is, do you find yourself talking a lot more to people now that you're getting into, like, this um, kind of stereotype conversation or, like, uh, like calling out people and you're becoming more aware? Do you find yourself, like, engaging in conversation with, like, non-Native people and, like, like being more open instead of just being like, nah, fuck you, man. You're actually like trying to have a conversation with people. Yeah. I find, you know, and it always strikes me like one time we had like a studio visit by the undergrads and uh, we had them come in and they were looking at some of my work. And it's funny. I thought like, you know, the most artsy people in the group would probably understand it, you know, Mm -hmm. But then it was the opposite. The, the, the most artsiest hipsters kids were like, whoa, 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 what are you doing, man? Like just, it's kind of, and I had to break it down to them and tell them and they were just like, but no, it's still just this, it's just so loaded. That's just such a loaded symbol. <laughs> and I just had to keep reiterating to them. <laughs> and even my, my professor was like, afterwards, he's like, I'm glad you kept your composure and you just kept re-explaining it to them over and over. And I was like, well, that's all I could do because it would look really um, hypocritical, I guess, of me to come out lashing back at them and say, look, you stupid, you know, I don't know. But yeah, it does. I've been having to get in more conversation back in with uh, people. And that's what's been real interesting to me, too, is having these one-on-one connections, too. Because I don't know why either, too, because I have met some of the most racist people here in Norman, like straight up racist people. And but they're always cool with me because I'm native and they'll tell me, oh, but you're native. So, you know, it was wrong what we did to you. And besides, you know, like my grandma's part native. But like I said, the people that I've run into and I've had conversations with, it is strange because I've never run into this many um, people who do not like other people based on their skin color or even based on their religion. It's just I thought I'd met some people like that in Texas more, but I've met more here in Oklahoma. And uh, and what's funny is one-on-one having a conversation, it wasn't that bad. It seems like one-on-one you can kind of connect with somebody and they can kind of see that you're human and they see that, you know, we kind of like the same things. And I found that to be really odd. And yet it also gave me some hope too mm-hmm. that like, on an individual basis, an arm's length around you, you can sometimes make a difference too, instead of, you know, on a macro level, like or micro level, I guess. And um, that was really interesting. I think it's a good thing to be here sometimes. Yeah. It's, it sounds like it's really influencing your work and like shifting you into a conceptual space that you might have never been in, huh? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Because a lot of the times with other work, like I said, I wanted to do more like um, hot rod work or I wanted to do more pinstriping, which I still love that. And I still draw things like that. And I need a break from what I'm usually working on anyway. And um, I kind of lost where I was going. But yeah, I, that kind of work, it just seems like it needs it needs to be there. Like I said, it felt more coming here to Oklahoma, I feel like a, more of a need. I feel like there was something else I needed to do. So, And that's why, too, I use the avatar of like werewolf, you know, too. That kind of helps now, too, to distance myself from certain images that I work with or um, allow myself to work in other spaces so that I can always come back to me, you know, and leave it there. And that was, that guy can handle it, you know, or something <laughs> like that. Because <laughs> it can get pretty deep sometimes. I don't know, like, even if you get into a space about, you know, like, it's like things that people talk about here. People, they don't want to, uh, they don't want to hear what kind of religion you're from. They don't want to hear, they don't want to hear anything. Or if they don't want to hear, uh, if you're, uh, like, a progressive or a liberal, it's just, people love Fox News here, you know. But they're so willing to preach to you about what they um, what they think you should be doing, you know. And what's funny to me, too, is um, I've come across a lot of open-minded people, too. But the open-minded people have also been some of the most, to me, like fascist people, too. They're like, if you do not like, you know, the Democratic Party, if you do not stand up for, you know, the trees, then... We can't be friends. It was just like almost they were almost <laughs> as bad as some of the people that I thought were bad, like conservatives. I thought conservatives were bad and the progressives were bad. So it's been a real, um, you know, that's what me and Jasmine always say. We're still always on the outside of these societies. It seems like even though we're inside, it seems like, but we're always still outside, even within my own, um, seems like within my own tribal heritage too and stuff like that. I'm still always, I'm in it, but yet I'm still on the outside of it as well. And Sometimes I think that's maybe where I think I should be at too, you know, to be able to, maybe I can see some things <laughs> maybe a little bit different or I don't know. Yeah. Cause I, I've been, I've been, I've been told that before that uh, since I lived in Texas that I was one of those, they're like, Oh, you're one of those Texas Kiowas. Yeah. You're not one of those real Kiowas like us from Oklahoma. <laughs> you're not wearing the gym shorts. Oh <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Have you um, met a lot of Kylas from out there and hung out with them? Or um, what's your oh, indigenous yeah. community like out there besides your fam? You know, the one thing about, uh, I've noticed too about a lot of natives here, like, you know, like I, you know, like when I've, I've been like uh, places where like I see like, you know, like a big black community and you know, I'll see a black person somewhere else in, in town and another black guy will see another black guy and they'll maybe give each other the nod of approval, you know, like, hey, what's up? You know, or like, it's like, hey. And it's funny, it's like, that doesn't happen at all here in Norman. You'll see another native, and it's like, as soon as you see another native, you're like, well, you got to put your head down. I'm like, and I'm trying to go like, hey, you know. And either that or they can't tell what I am. I've been told, too, they, I think they thought that I was, like, that I was Arabic. Or um, it's never, they never mistake me for being uh, Mexican-American. But it's, it's always something else. Huh. And then, uh, but yeah, the native community here. There's a lot of good people here. They're really cool, a lot of them I've met. But then at the same time, they're into a lot of different things that I guess that I'm just not really into sometimes. And that's and that's okay. And I've I've finally gotten okay with like what? Being that what's way. what's an example of that? Like what what are you talking about there? Okay, like I like making like, you know, like like native work that I feel speaks to native people. I feel it does, you know. And um 
whereas other people are more, um, a lot of natives I've known here, they're more concerned about um, language and they're more concerned about imagery that and conservation of imagery and language. And I think that's cool in songs. I do, I do think that's cool, but it's just not, it's just not the thing that I is, is pulling me towards, you know, I don't, I really don't know how to explain that. I think that's why um, I like using words in the work to fully convey what I kind of, what I'm thinking, not in the fact of, like I said, cause I've always, like I said, I felt like an outsider to things, but now I feel like I'm kind of more, I don't mean to say even with somebody. Cause I know we're not, I always think that we're just not always even no matter what. Sometimes I think we're all different. I think that's, the way we were made to be different so we could see other people for the differences and accept them for that mm. and get along, you know? Yeah. So, cause that's what I've always felt too here. Like, you know, cause it's the thing too, like if you don't speak your language here, or if you don't know every single person who's in the role or, um, or like if you don't know some, even your, some of your relatives, they're like, Oh, do you know so-and-so? You're like, Oh no. They're like, Oh, that's your uncle. How come you don't know that? You know, like, <laughs> Okay. Like, oh, you're from Texas. <laughs> okay, that explains it all. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like you know. I hear two people say that when they don't speak Spanish and they go to a restaurant, they get treated different, even though they're Mexican, but they don't speak Spanish. That they're like, whatever. <laughs> so I don't know if any of that made sense. <laughs> no, totally, it made perfect sense. <laughs> How have you been getting reception from your work from Native people? Like, have you have you been showing your new work, this kind of whitewashing stuff that you've been doing to Natives and even your peers? Like, have what's the reception been? Like, not just crits where it's like other classmates, but your, your peers. You know, some of the work, I haven't really shown some of it. And then some of my peers, I think, too, um, it's funny. A lot of them haven't seen what I've worked on before, kind of like. And so it, it sometimes it can be this feeling of like, it's almost like to like, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to work on? Or I've, I've had, there was, there was one who asked me like, so how many pieces have you finished? And I'm like, well, I've got like 20 pieces, but I keep painting over them and doing it. So, so then it feels, some of them think that they're not finished. And I'm like, what are you worried about if I'm finishing my pieces? You know, sometimes I'm like, what do you, why does that bother you what I'm doing? You know? So, and then I've gotten some pretty good feedback from some of my peers too, when they're, they've seen some things that I haven't seen, I guess like technical things a little bit that I'm not looking at or, or like when um, something isn't being conveyed quite right the way it should be, I guess. And sometimes I'll have things that aren't, um, they just need to be omitted or left out. Cause sometimes the things that they draw out of the picture, I'm like, okay, I totally don't want that to be seen as that. So I'm like, okay, that one needs to change. So <laughs> that's been interesting though too, but yeah, I'm still, I guess not quite ready to show the work yet too, I guess outside of that. I don't know. Cause like, this is the first time too, I've gotten into oil paint. So the first time I got into oil paint, I just started painting with it, doing all kinds of, it was just neat to find something else that would just, 
felt like it was something that I'd known for a long time, but I've just never met it or touched it, you know? And so it was just neat to just find this other material. And I'm like, whoa, this is neat. It, it makes things look like, like things that I saw in books or, you know, it just, it just seems so, uh, I don't know how to explain that. It was just like, uh, it was just a neat medium. I think oil It just seemed like it was just something that I wished I had met before. You know, I wish could have gone a long ways or cut it, made a shortcut somewhere <laughs> to, uh, to oil. Cause I really like oil now. And is that what you're mainly using right now? You know, I'm mainly right now for the stuff working on the bigger things. I'm using like house paint and stuff like that. Oh, House really? paint and like, uh, still acrylic, mainly a gessos, <laughs> mainly gesso house paint, black gesso, and then a lot of white. And then, when I do start using some oil, yeah, I paint that on top of the acrylic and stuff like that when I do use it. But I just love using, like, I still like to try to use, it's like something I picked up from, like, the humble, it seemed like when we were using, and or, like, from those boards that you that you gave me that one time, those uh, underlayment boards. Uh, I've yeah. loved those boards ever since, and I still use them. I've got the big ones now, too, and uh, I just, like, I don't like to go and buy expensive material to do stuff on so and that kind of goes with the concept too now that's the one thing i've been able to work out with the concept is that they're humble materials they're um you know they're they're discarded or something and then they're being used again you know they're getting loved again or they're you know living out a successful life maybe somewhere for a short time you know totally being whitewashed (laughs) (laughs) and you talked a little bit before about showing your professor your film of your process is that part of what you're doing are you filming yourself in the studio doing this process or was that just for that one time oh no i'm just taking i'm taking pictures of it not i guess well um i was only doing that so i could show it like on the internet too or people ask me it gives a little bit more history into the piece and it makes me feel a little bit more comfortable in doing this work. Cause I don't feel, cause like if I were to walk into a gallery and see this, I'd just be like, you know, myself, I'd just be like, okay, you know, whatever, you know? It's, so I think it would be neat to like show some history with it as well. And that's why I find it interesting to me is because I am so nervous about it. I'm not quite secure with this work and one of my professors like, I love it that you're not secure with it. He goes, I think that's what you should kind of follow this a little bit more because you totally are, you're not, you don't feel amazing at doing this. And I do like it when I'm working on it because it's just so monotonous and mundane kind of like, cause I'm just making lines and putting patches of dark in, you know, filling in spots, positive space. And then next thing I know, it's like, Oh, Hey, it's like four hours have gone by. It's time for break, you know, or I'm ready to go somewhere, you know. <laughs> so I do enjoy it. I've, I've been enjoying the process. That's like process has been cool to me too. I've always liked that. And, and it's been neat to come around, like you said, some of the grad students here who um, who are from different areas, you know, get to learn a little bit more from them too. And then also I've been starting up a thing here too where, uh, we're going to start collaborating. I was like, hey, guys, I'm going to put this board out here, put something on it, you know. And some other people, too, some sculptures were like, you know what? I actually feel like painting. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to make a big, huge three-finger ring in a ceramic studio, you know. So I don't know. So that's, <laughs> Sick. I do stuff like that. <laughs> Sick. Three-finger ring. <laughs> <laughs> 
Bourbon-y, you know, bourbon-y voice, you know, kind of low. <laughs> about to play this next tune on this piano. <laughs> and, uh, to all you lucky guys out there at the bar. <laughs> Dude, for coming from a family who doesn't didn't listen to jazz, you sure do have that jazz sound. <laughs> <laughs> jazz hands. <laughs> Okay, so I have a few more things I want to talk about. Um, I want you to tell me a story, like one of the most inspiring moments that you've ever had where you were kind of like knocked on your ass. Think of something and just like go off. Like what what shifted you? What changed you in some way artistically? Like somebody inspiring you or a moment or? You know, that's that's pretty interesting. You know, like it's kind of like when my father died. Um, I had just started to paint like right when my father died, like actually with brush paint, like actually doing studio styles work or whatever. Um, I had just started and I wasn't good at it. I remember um, I was in the painting one class with uh, Norman Akers and it's funny cause uh, Rose Simpson was in there too. And we were painting by each other and we're, I looked at her, I'm like, I can't do this. I'm like, I, can't even paint you know I'm like and norm makers would walk by and he's like micah looks like you're having a hard time just putting paint on the canvas and yeah i had a hard time doing it i don't know why and here i was i set out at i to be a painter you know just to be a painter and then uh didn't happen and then like like my father died and then uh i had dropped out of uh not dropped out i just removed out of school for that for that um year to go back home be with my mom and stuff like that Mm. so I was there for about a year and during that time I had gotten into like a like a depression and I didn't know what the depression would feel like I thought I thought when you were depressed you would feel so sad or maybe some people do you know people would get sad or mopey for me it manifested very different like my form of depression was that I would just almost feel like I was just going nuts. Like I needed to go take a shower because I was probably, my heart was probably just going to explode in my chest and I didn't want to leave a dirty corpse you know, or something like that where <laughs> I would just freak out and it was just really, um, you know, then I went to a doctor, you know, cause my mom was like, we got to take you somewhere cause you're something's, you know, something's wrong, you know, something's really wrong. And I'm like, okay. So I decided to go and it's funny. The doctor's like, yeah, just take some of these pills. You have a depression. I'm like, oh, okay. And he goes, it'll take a while for it to kick in. And so uh, I started taking some, uh, what's it called? Uh, they, they they prescribed it for everything back then. But it's basically, it's an antidepressant. And uh, on this antidepressant, it's like, you know, they said if it doesn't work, then that means, you know, you're really not depressed. But if it works, then, you know, it's doing its thing. And I just got back from the herd show. We'd gone out there and showed some of my dad's stuff just to kind of like fill up everything that we had left pretty much open and then uh came back and then i started doing a lot of collages and spray painting and i don't really know where that came from either but that was just something i occupied my time with and that was around february and by the time may came around i had like hundreds of work pieces of work that weren't even to me they weren't amazing but like at the time, I was just like, whoa, I just like seeing them all together. Like they were pink, they were yellow, they were like just all these 
images of people, people covered, uh, religious images. It was just all this crazy. I was just stuff that I was collecting from thrift stores, stuff that I was collecting out of uh, the garbage. And it was just all this work that was just all basically made with spray paint and collaging. And then somewhere in there, I started painting. I don't really recall when, and I don't really know when it happened. And I was painting. I don't know. I don't understand that either. It was just, it, it kind of came out of that. And then I uh, took myself off the pills and I quit taking them. And uh, I was like, I'm going to try this out, see what happens. Cause I was, I was, it was pretty freaked out when it would happen when I'd get all just like terrified of these uh, panic attacks. And then, uh, they didn't happen anymore. And then painting became kind of like a thing where it kind of took place of that helped kind of like, um, a calming, you know, that's where, that's kind of where, where I came from to where I didn't want to listen to a lot of music either. When I was working, it just became this almost like a math. Now it came like problem solving. I want it to look like this. There's one thing I want it to look like and keep pushing it till it gets to that point. And that's why I liked painting, because you could do that. But then when I got into printmaking, you know, you couldn't do that. You had to think all in steps. Or like photography, I had to start thinking in steps and stuff like that. So um, it was good to start shifting around. But that was one one part, I think, of the artistic, I guess, process where um, where I began to paint. And I think that that's what I tell like the students now. Because um, I, help, I help TA at a class the beginning painting class. And I'm always telling them you have to do it over and over again, repetitive. I go, there's, there's no trick to it. I go, the trick is, and to where you do the amazing paintings that kind of comes with like, you know, like the concepts, you know, stuff like that. Things that are kind of already, it's kind of inborn into you. I think that comes out, but as far as doing the techniques and doing like amazing paintings, I don't think you really have to be that amazing with concept. You can make amazing paintings. I think without having, um, cause I've seen some amazing paintings really that weren't really about anything. But they were still amazing. Then I've seen some paintings that really weren't that good, but their concept was just amazing. So I always tell people that though. It's like, it's over and over again. Just keep doing it. You can always, there's no trick to it. You know, the trick is the other stuff where you make emotive qualities, where you make subjective things, where you make people have opinions. I go, that's the part that really can't be taught. You know, let's, let's talk about that though. Um, that was kind of my next question. So let's lead into that. What kind of advice do you have for people who are listening to this? Maybe young Native artists or young people or old people, people who are afraid to get into that uncomfortable space that you are in right now. What what words of wisdom do you have, werewolf? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The one thing that I always come back to, and it's knocked me down a peg or on my ass or whatever, is you're never as good as you think you are. Now that can either help you or that can completely break you down too. You know, that's the one thing that's always helped me because I've always thought I was never good enough for things. And then I don't know. It's like, then you start realizing certain things, your abilities when you start doing things, but it doesn't come that easy. And it's funny because you're, you're never really alone in a lot of things. Cause some people really are alone. I think there are some people that are just alone sometimes. And it's just, it's horrible. But then um, that's where I found out something, too. Like I said, you're, you're never going to be good enough. That's what I think, too. So that's why I always think, I always tell people, like, you might as well just do something, too, with it because you're, it's, you're never going to be good enough. You're always going to defeat yourself or you're always, you're always going to stand in your way. That's like with me right now, too. Even though I'm saying that, like, that's something I have to fight every day because I'm always like, 
oh man, if I could just do that, I would, I'm like, look at you, man. Like you've got, these are first world problems. You're wishing you could do something else. I'm like, you're in school right now. You know, I'm like, what are you complaining about? You know, I was like, you know, I have a roof, you know, over my head. I've got a dependable car, you know, things I didn't have before, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, wow, it's really cool to have that. And then I think, well, if only I wish I could do that kind of work or something. I'm like, I'm like, fool, you're in grad school, man. Like, pull your head out of your ass, you know, quit feeling sorry for yourself because you're just defeating yourself now. to like I even then you know or um, when I first wanted to become I was wanted to just become like an amazing artist I just want to blow people away which is what I could do you know I was um, I wanted to be like you know an art star you know I totally wanted to you know um, go down in a flame of glory you know or something like that <laughs> and that proved really pointless and sad you know later on and then and it then the it seemed like just funny um being around other people that kind of thought more about the work and art, it became more important about the work and what you were doing. So that's what really changed me too. Cause like I said, I really had to get reestablished what I was wanting to do because, you know, I realized I wasn't be- going to become like this rich and famous artist. You know, I was like, this is not going to happen, you know? And, um, even though I wanted that, you know, <laughs> I to do that, but no, it's not going to happen, and that's that's cool. And now I've got that out of the way, and now I can just keep doing what I want to do, which is now that's what I want to keep doing. Now I just want to keep on going with with the process. There's certain things I want to see, certain avenues I want to see, and there's certain places I want to go now. And I feel like this is just the way to start going that way, and even to start writing about work and start writing about things because I think it's such a interesting time right now in Native American art where we're starting to get scholars now we're getting scholars. There are scholars, but I mean, we're getting more and more. There's more movement in this shift and we're not being so uh, marginalized anymore, even though we are being marginalized. But, um, I met this one, I met this artist named Michael Ray Charles and he just blew me away with what he already knew about native artwork. And, um, he does like all his artwork is about like blackface and stuff like that. And he's a, he's a professor out of, uh, university of Texas. And he was talking about some stereotypes that have been about black people since the Roman era. And it was like this alligator chasing this black guy up a tree. And he was showing for like thousands of years, this image has been shown in sculpture and everything. And it just keeps on progressing. And then he said, even in the movie, like there's like some movie with Cedric, the entertainer, when he wakes up at nine, looks under his sheets and there's an alligator there. He goes, that's, it's still here. He goes, man, we just can't get rid of these stereotypes and these things. And they're so ingrained. He goes, he goes, you have like a huge purpose to do things. And he goes, and as a native artist, he's like, you can say anything. He's like, you can just say anything right now. He goes, and it will be heard. It will be seen. And then it's funny when I look at his career too, because he told me too, that he doesn't show anywhere here in the United States because he wasn't um, like accepted. He didn't like his whole, um, reception here because they thought it was just too he was just trying to be too much controversial he was trying to he was enforcing too much guilt upon people i thought that was really interesting because now he just shows like in europe and he was really inspiring to me so that was really cool to meet someone 
who kind of already knew what was going on. <laughs> already knew what was going on, you know. But uh, with Native working, it was cool to see someone working outside of Native work, but in stereotypes that have been in place for thousands of years. That's what I was just like, wow, man, because he's been doing his research. Like I said, it's thousands of years that he's showing this same stereotype being pulled into and now and still existing. So what about like these, this whole like hipster in the headdress and all this stuff like that is in our faces every day. There's somebody new who's posing as like a Pocahontas or whatever. Like, do you just yeah. roll your eyes or do you take that as fodder to like fuel your fire and make these pieces? <laughs> you know, it's a little of both cause it can be angering. And then sometimes when it happens again, it's almost like, I thought we were just, I was just through with this. You know, it's like, you know, sometimes it just feels so defeating sometimes. You're just like. <sighs> like, what's one example recently that's happened where you. Well, well, it's like the governor here, Mary Fallon, her daughter, um, she was like promoting her, her uh, band called like Ponies or something, Pink Pony or something like that. <laughs> and so she put on Instagram, she put on this headdress, you know, and. Cause she kind of, I think she wants, she wants to look like Madonna. You know, she has like the, these big red lips and real white skin and then has this headdress on. And of course people loved it. And I think the guy who actually made the comment about it said like, Hey, you know, that's kind of not that cool. And it was a friend of hers, I guess. And so she deleted him and deleted all these things that he was saying about it. And they took the whole post down. They they issued an apology saying, um, sorry, forgive us for liking beautiful things, but we've been around your culture and we were just paying homage. You know, it was just, it was like this, this, it was an apology. It was like, basically I'm cooler than you and you should know that I'm cool. And so what I do should be, you should bow down to it. And it's funny because this is the daughter of the, of the governor of Oklahoma. And uh, seems like she's had a lot of clashes in the media with like native American issues too, because a lot of the natives here in Oklahoma own the water rights and, she was like, you know, uh, these tribes need to share with Oklahoma. <laughs> you know, I was just stuff like that where I'm like, well, at the turn of this century, you know, you guys didn't want to share too much. So it's kind of funny. But stuff like that comes up again. And I'll see people say, I'll hear a lot of people just not want to be a part of it anymore. And I've been on that side, too. I've been on that side, too. Where I'm like, look, I'm just sick of hearing this, you know, and people go, it doesn't really offend me. But then I thought you can say that all the time, you know, but you it really doesn't help anything. And then you're, uh, people live too many on too many sides of things, I think. And I think sometimes you've got to kind of be on some sides and be on other sides. I guess you can be on more than one side too, I guess. But, <laughs> but that stuff, yeah, it does, it does get to me too. I'm like, it's just, I'm like, this just keeps happening. Cause the one I liked that came out of this, the good analogy that someone had said was, so if I go get, military uniforms which i can buy at a thrift store that were donated or discarded put them on wear them to functions and say hey you know dressing up like a marine i'm paying homage to you guys it's like that would totally not be cool you know and that's the one where i thought that was pretty cool someone said that i was like i, I could see that where because i was like yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't wear a marine shirt i wouldn't even put like a marine sticker on my car you know just i mean just stuff like that because i'm like i have no you connection re- yeah to you you respect that place. And respect that yeah exactly so that was something really um neat that i saw come about this but then still there's just people going she looks beautiful in it why are you so angry she just looks pretty <laughs> <So>. <laughs> why do you hate beautiful things 
<laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was, you know. So Very that's why that's why I'm glad there's people out there who are saying things, you know, who are going really taking amazing stands on that. I think that's I think that's something that's really commendable, you know, cuz it's once you start taking those stands on things too, then you kind of open yourself up to those to those uh beatings, you know, the abuse when people start coming down on you and wondering where do you stand and why do you stand that way and and it doesn't stop overnight, you know. It's it's good in art cuz I always I've always just felt that. I don't know, maybe it's the wrong way of thinking. I always thought like art isn't going to change much of anything, but I always thought it does change on an individual basis. So I've always that's why I felt that it was important to start doing things, even if it's just for one person to then there's that too. Then school comes creeping in. So who is your audience? You don't want it just to be Native Americans. You want to make it to everybody. So that's why I've incorporated. Well, hey, let's try two things. I'll say, you know, the redneck, my red skin, my redneck. Kind of. So I started playing on those two. So now what's in the back of your head? Who's pushing you? Where do you want to be? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? You know what? I would just like to teach actually now because without, you know, I was – you know, I've never, I feel privileged to have had, you know, my parents. I've felt privileged to had to have had friends, you know. I've, I feel real privileged to have had teachers that, like, even in high school, like, that actually cared, you know, a little bit and kind of helped push me a little bit. And maybe there were some people, too, around the, along the way who didn't tell me what to do, but they kind of set up little barriers for me to bounce off of, you know, and kind of help me get in the right way and... I think that would be the next thing that I think I feel like I should be doing too is to uh, start doing some teaching and stuff like that somewhere, you know, and and uh, and at a uh, and at a native college maybe somewhere. I think that would be something I'd like to do, and I'm just kind of open to see what's going to happen after that, you know. Yeah. And I'd like to play some more DJ gigs that are huge, <laughs> somewhere <laughs> out on the beach somewhere. I want to play a day set, you know. <laughs> Well, any any last words? Anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Um, what would be my last word? <laughs> I remember reading an article where, like, it was like some crazy guy. Was it like Walt Whitman or something like that? Like his last words were like, "I just wish I had one more time for one more bowl of chili." I'm like, whoa, <laughs> was this dying words or something? Maybe it wasn't. Walt Whitman. So, so what's your bowl of chili? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's like the last words my dad told me. And the words that I wish I would live by, you know, it's like something that I struggle to keep trying to living this way. I've tried. And then, of course, it's the thing is you fail and you try again. But I remember, like, the last words my dad told me on the phone was, keep your heart pure. The last thing he ever told me. And uh, I keep finding new meanings of that all the time now. It's just... And then I find out where things have gone wrong because of that, too, because I haven't followed that advice. You know? <laughs> <laughs>